Hey, in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice, and we're happy you're spending some time with us on a on a Tuesday, Tailgate Tuesday. We're continuing the Big 12 title game tailgate. It's Chip and Zay. We will have our man Chris Hummer uh, joining us at 1.30, Hank South at 2.15. Loaded show here on Chip and Zay, and Zay... How about Tavandre Sweat, one of three finalists for the Outland Trophy awarded to the top interior lineman in college football. He's up against Cooper Beebe from Kansas State, the offensive guard, and Joe Alt, the Notre Dame offensive tackle. Here's how I think they should settle this. I think they should fight. And I think Tavandre Sweat... I think Tavondre Sweat would win. Yeah. That's one way to settle, settle it, you know. We could do it more calm, maybe like a spelling bee or something. Or, no, who's the most you know, physical? Just, God, just let the brothers fight, huh? All right. Hey. Did you I see that's how you feeling today? Did you see what Tavondre Sweat did to Jalen Ford? Stiff arming him off the off that tackle of Taj Brooks for minus three yards. I've watched that about 20 times. That is so funny. God, that's funny. Again, we talked about a little bit yesterday. Yo, Jalen Ford, you can't say shit because a lot of your tackles come off of Trevondre Sweat and the attention that he gets, bro. So all them devils in the vicinity and he feels the need to stiff arm you out of the play, then that's how it's going to go. Yeah. Get out the way. Yeah, man. He was and Jalen Ford got up like, what the hell, man? Like, oh, yeah. I was there. Hands and out. T Sweat, just a man on the mission right now. Hey, blame Brett Yormark and Jer- Joey McGuire for their comments that they made that were playing on the speakers during weight room sessions. You know what I'm saying? Like Devondre Sweat deserves all the flowers that he's getting right now. He's not only the best interior defensive lineman in the nation, but I think, and I might be biased here, but so what, sue me. He's the best defensive player in the nation with the presence that he brings and all the attention that he gets and how dominant that he is. And I know a lot of haters will probably say, well, if Byron Murphy wasn't right next to him, how good would he be? That's true. They do compliment one another. And those guys are best of friends. I love hearing T-Sweat talk about, you know, just how he's always making Byron Murphy laugh and stuff. And we talked about it last week, Chip, just how important it is for your teammates and your squad to like one another. Because it's not always like that. Everybody thinks it is, you know, but it could be on some remember the Titan show. I'm not saying racism. I'm just saying like guys not getting along and, you know, stuff has to come together. So, yeah, you know, I heard Michael Taft talk about 99% of this team is locked in on one goal and everybody buys in and T Sweat, he's leading the way. So congrats to him on being nominated. I expect him to win these awards that he's getting nominated for because, again, he deserves it. That dude's been the dominating force for one of the best defenses in the nation. You look at third down efficiency for a defense, Texas is on the top. You look at red zone efficiency for a defense, Texas is at the top. So all those are two of the best barometers. Like, don't don't ever look at total defense ever. Yeah, it's bootleg. Bootleg. Look at at scoring defense first, but 
red zone defense, are you keeping them out of the end zone? Are you limiting them to field goals or to nothing? And third down defense, are you getting off the field? And today, this day and age, you kind of got to look also at fourth down defense because so many people are going for it. But yeah, let's look. Dan Campbell, shout out to Dan Campbell, baby, going for it. How many times he went for it, Chip? What was like one for six? He's like Joey McGuire out there. (laughs) Oh, this is interesting. Oh, man. I had to get that line shot. Fourth down percentage conversion defense. Oklahoma State is number one, and Texas is 30th. Texas has allowed 11 of 25 fourth downs, and Oklahoma State has allowed four of 23. Yeah, Oklahoma State's defense, man, they're stingy. Y'all saw how they won it last week against BYU. Oh, boy, just straight up took that thing from them. Rucker, he just straight stole the ball from uh, the tight end Rex at BYU for game. That was ferocious. And then those linebackers, they ain't no joke either. We know they run that three-high safety defense, but Martin and Oliver and Benson, all those guys, they really like to fly around, and they do a good job. So, yeah, this Texas offense, they got to be locked in. You know, Quinn Ewers, that interception was bad against Texas Tech, but overall, I think, I thought he had a solid game, but at the end of the day, going up against this type of defense, you got to be able to run the football, and I think this Texas team can. C.J. Baxter and Jaden Blue, like, Jaden Blue, here you go, bro. You've been wanting this playing time, and you've been wanting these opportunities. Well, you will be remembered if you have a big-time game for the Horns if it leads to them winning the Big 12 championship, and if the Horns can establish a run and control the clock and keep the defense, you know, off the field to where when they get on the field, they're as juiced up and as fresh as ever. Then I like the Horns' chances. I really do. Do I think it's that 13-point line that we've seen? I don't know about all that. That worries me, you know, what Vegas is talking about. But 14 and a half. Oh, shit. 14 and a half. Yeah, I think they heard Gundy's comments uh, about Sark and the dog, like which was weird. Going back and watching that, did you watch it yesterday? Did you watch the no. presser with Gundy? No. It's weird. That was a weird – like it, nobody really laughed because it was just a weird joke. Like you barely hear the dog for one, and then he goes, yeah, that's Sarkeesian and stuff. And it's like, okay, so – you said the name weird and also you're dissing him and saying that he's a barking dog. Like why, what, why are you, why are you doing that? Like Jared Hufford, Mike Gundy, Brett Yormark, all this just weird, unnecessary shit talking that we're seeing. It's just very odd. And Gundy was throwing subtle, subtle jabs in his press conference. It was a smooth 35 minutes, but He's just so arrogant and just like, man, yeah, you know, Byron Murphy and Trevondre Sweat. I've been here for 20 years. Back when they had, like, he had a hard time remembering Matt Brown's name, Chip. He had to have somebody remind him back when, uh, uh, who was that first coach? Was, oh, yeah, Matt Brown. And I was like, shit. <laughs> like, are you serious, bro? <laughs> like, is that, that's really how we're doing things. You know damn well who the hell Matt Brown is. Come on now, like you, come on, let's not be that petty, but okay, it's him. It's what he's done there in Stillwater for years and years, and we know he can coach and he'll have his guys ready. But yeah, man, go go back and watch that 35 minutes because he's just being 
very passive aggressive and just, yeah, we, you know, they're always this good. Byron Murphy, Tarandre Sweat, they're always this good. Like, I don't really know what's the difference. We got to block them. You know, like, I don't really know what y'all are trying to say here. I like my Yeah, guy. he was like, for 20 years, Texas has always had bigger defensive ends and bigger tackles, defensive tackles than everyone else. And it's like, I mean, yeah. really, you're just you're just lumping Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy in with just anybody? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, the when he was describing Sark's offense – he was just, he was acting non, just very nonchalant. He was like, their tempo, it's not really that fast. He was like, they run about, you know, they can, they're scoring around 35 a game. I, he, this is what Gunny said. They're scoring around 35 a game. I feel like if they ran more plays, they could score around 50 a game. And it does, just like, bro, what? Okay. That's, that's just, you know, some people will think, oh, yeah, he's just speaking his mind. That's some wild, just non-coach talk right there. That's just things like that, man. It's just the arrogantness. Like, it, like how ignorant can you be? I mean, what's my guy, it, uh, Ryan Watts say, like, ignorant. ignorant. How ignorant can you be for make real? Him, make, make him make that ignorant throw. Make that quarterback <laughs> make the ignorant throw. Here's the thing about Gundy, though, man. You're, you're, you almost love the guy because he just says whatever is floating into his dome. Like he will just spill it. And you're like, uh, that might've been a better thought than outward statement, but he can't help himself, man. He, sure he can't help can. himself. He's beaten OU. And now it's like, he's king of the world. He's, he's Leo DiCaprio at the, front of the titanic he thinks he's got it going yeah and and he has what he's beaten texas nine of the last 13 including the last two he feels like man i just got this program's number but this is a different this is a different texas team and this that's what i want to see on on saturday at 11 i want to see just how different this Texas team is because both of the last two losses where Steve Sarkeesian has gone up against Gundy, Texas has had a double digit lead and lost. They got up early. They played off coverage. If they do that again, so help me God. But if they get a, a lead, which they very well could get a double digit lead early and if they let up, if Texas lets up, man, it's almost like the rope-a-dope. It's almost like the rope-a-dope. It's like, we're going to let you think you got this thing in the bag. You're going to hit your little Texas relax mode. And, and then that's when we're coming for you. And it just so happens that, that Oak State has had two pretty sizable comebacks in their last two wins against Houston and BYU. And you can say whatever you want about those teams, but they were down like 23 to nine and 24 to six. And they came back in both of those games and eked it out. So Texas, you got to go full throttle Texas tech mode here. 
You got to bring that energy and the coach has got to help them. The coach has got to stay aggressive and bring the thunder. Now I'm hearing that Steve Sarkeesian is, uh, is maybe getting ready to talk a little um, college football rankings today. So we'll keep an eye on that. He he was not in the mood on Monday. He said, we're going to get through this. You know, we got to win Saturday or there is no college football playoff talk. And I think someone got to him, Zay, because if he is going to do some appearances, he's going to do some appearances today. I mean, before that committee meets, he's got to make sure that Ohio State, after the coaches poll came out and Ohio State was ahead of Texas, like that can't happen. That cannot happen. Like it, it's, we've already talked ad nauseum about how we're still mystified that Oregon has been ahead of Texas this whole time. And you're kind of stuck with that barnacle. Although you've got to think that the Washington, Oregon winner is in and the loser is going to fall behind Texas if Texas wins, because Texas would then be a one-loss conference champion. And Oregon or Washington, whoever wins that, you know, if Oregon wins, they'll be a one-loss conference champion. And the committee's already said, okay, Oregon. And the committee, this committee drives me crazy because they're looking at the losses you've had more than the wins you've had. Like they, they've said Oregon has a better loss to Washington than Texas does to OU. And they never looked at the Alabama win as, you know, a difference maker and, and, and put Texas ahead of Oregon. They never did that. And you know, what are they going to say about Ohio State? Oh, well, that was a really good loss to Michigan. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, that's what this committee drives me crazy. They scare me. So Sark might need to get out and start talking about, hey, our strength of schedule. Texas has way better strength of schedule than some of these fools. So, yeah. You know, head-to-heads should mean something. And if Alabama beats Georgia, I know it's going to be hard for the committee not to put an SEC team in, but that might be where you have to go, you know, especially if Alabama beats them by double digits, which I think that could happen coming off of their very just terrifying win that they had up at Auburn. So I don't know, man. The committee, like, it sucks that the Horns are in this situation. Obviously, they did it to themselves, losing in the Red River shootout. But, you know, it's the league's about to go to 12 teams next year. And the last time it stays with four, the team that recovered might get screwed out of it. Like, it's very unfortunate. But all you can do is control what you can control. If the Horns blow out Oklahoma State, then I would see how they're how it's not them as the best one-loss team. Like I just, especially losing to Oklahoma in that rivalry game, 
You know what I'm saying? Like Oregon's wins, and I know the Pac-12 is better than the Big 12, and I feel like the committee, if they were to have Oregon ahead of the Horns or the Pac-12 team in general, that's what they're going to stand on. But, yeah, it's that game at Alabama and Sark. Yeah, you're right. I think somebody's been in Sark's ear like, yo, we got to fight for these guys a little bit more. And for him to go on the four-letter network, as CB is telling us right now, that no, he's on mean, right now. Yeah, that must mean the dude's going to have to go and fight for his team, which I'm fine with that. You just, I know why Sark didn't on Monday, because you don't want to take away, you don't want to disrespect Oklahoma State to where it gives them bulletin board material and they're out here thinking, oh, they think this shit's already in the bag. Like, you don't want that feeling hanging around the locker room if you're Texas. So I get where Sark is with that, but also, yeah, man, you got to fight for your guys and hope. Hopefully the leadership in this locker room, even if Oklahoma State uses that as bulletin board material, the leadership and the talent and just the will to win the Big 12 title, hopefully that's in the locker room and that's building up to where it don't matter what Oklahoma State brings to the table. Yeah, so far, um, Sark is talking about, he's just talking about Texas leading up to the uh, leading up to the uh, Big 12 title game but let's see let's see what uh, I'm recording it so we'll have it um, when he gets done but um, yeah I mean it's time it's time to get it's time to get after it because this is a, I've said this, man, this is a special Texas team. I mean, they. Wait, do, you hear it? do you hear it? Is it supposed to be in the background? I'm hearing it. Does that, does it have to be in the background for you to record it? Well, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I, we're holding that thought. This is a special team. We'll continue when they're, yeah, I still hear Sark. Still hear him in the background. Okay, well, we'll uh, we'll get this uh, we'll get this figured out. But hey, I wanted to ask you what you thought of Texas opting as the home team to go with the icy whites. I love it. I love it. Love the icy whites, man. I, there's nothing crisper in college football than those uniforms. That's why I, I'm both ways on the alternate jersey. And just keeping it OG with the burnt orange at home and the icy whites away. Like, I'm, I, I, I have mixed vibes because when I see the icy whites, I always go, okay, I get it. But sometimes, you know, just the flavor in me says, let's bring on a black jersey. I know, horn fans, leave me alone. I know that's against the grain. I get it. Again, half of me feels I love the OG, keeping it just classic. But the burn orange at home, icy whites away. But you know, I, your boy's got a lot of flavor. Let's just say that. So yeah, I'm with the icy whites selecting those. You know, and I'm again, I like uniforms no matter what. I'm not gonna hate on Oklahoma State's unis. I think their unis are pretty good. Like the what all. 
you know, what all they do with them. They have a nice black, and sometimes they'll go with their cowboy orange, and sometimes they'll mix and match with the orange pants and the black tops, and they always have different color helmets, and sometimes it says OSU, and sometimes it says Cowboys. Like, they do a good job mixing it up, so I'm, I like that they'll be able to do that, but yeah, man, nothing in college football beats the Icy Whites, in my opinion. Hey, they won the 05 and 09 Big 12 title games in the Icy Whites. I wonder if Sark was paying attention to that. He strikes me as a little superstitious. A little superstitious. Hey, that's fine. I'm with that. You know, one of those games was... Play baseball. Yeah. Those guys are stupid stitious, you know? Yeah. Yeah, 05, where Joe Clatt got his ass lit up. That was fun. 09, uh, Osu just kind of almost ruined everything, you know, which shout out to Devondre Sweat. You know, he said that um, Big Sue was a player that he idolized. Yeah, that he watches. And he also drew like Fletcher Cox out there. And yeah, he's right. Everybody watches Aaron. Hey, don't you player, think but. that Colt McCoy wakes up once a year, at least once a year, <laughs> to dreams of being flung around Jerry World like a rag doll by Indomitian Sue in 09? Oh, yeah. In a cold sweat. Wakes up I mean, in a cold sweat. Jared Crick and Indomitian Sue. I mean, I just remember some of those Texas offensive linemen were like trying to illegally chop block and Dominican Sue, and they couldn't even pull that off. Yo. Yeah. That's what problem. That's what Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, they need to be channeling in Dominican Sue and Jared Crick. So you're saying they need to stop on someone's chest when they get a chance. No, that was, he did that later. Oh, okay. Just making sure. I'm just saying (laughs) channel their performance in the big 12 title game. Right. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to call it up here. Yeah. And. Cause Alan Bowman will give you that Ryan Watts ignit throw. uh, 11 of them. Come on now. And there was times where he wasn't playing because they were playing Rangel and Gundy Jr., whatever the hell his name is. Like, that ignorant throw, they're going to be out there. Got to capitalize, fellas. Got to capitalize. Yeah. You got to capitalize. So, Indomitian Sue in 09 had four and a half sacks. In the 09 Big 12 title game, he had four and a half sacks. Wow. Yeah. Like, he should have won. He probably should have won the Heisman that year. Colt should have won it in, in 08. But Indomitian Sue could have won it in 09. Yeah, he was a problem. He was a problem. He, he was, was dirty, but, you know, he was good. He was <laughs> dirty good. as hell. Dirty as I don't know what will stop on your chest and the heartbeat. I feel like he did some other things, too. Just that one sticks out for me. The old Draymond Green, stop on your chest. Maybe he stepped on somebody's foot. But, yeah, Big Sue. 
That dude was a mother effing problem. Shout out to the code of text line, 512-222-9328. Somebody said Sue looked like a man amongst boys in that game. Throwing, in all caps, dudes. Yeah, that's what I remember. <laughs> that man Cole wakes up in a cold sweat. Like, shoot. To be honest, I'm not surprised. I know they had a long time in between games from Big 12 Championship and the National Championship, but the fact that he got hurt in the National Championship game, I wouldn't be surprised if Sue was a big part of that. Just the damage that he put on Colt that night. And then it just lingered on. And Colt being the warrior he is, didn't say shit to nobody. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't surprise me one bit. Because Colt's going to play in that game. So Colt's not going to let anybody know he's dealing with any discomfort. And sure enough, taking that wrong shot in the championship game, like, that was it. Like, you was, you can't yeah. tell me the way Dominic Sue was just abusing my man that Colt, even though it was a month later, that thing wasn't still lingering there. Like, that's... Yeah, Sue was different. He was different. Is he Hall of Fame? He's College Hall of Fame. He's College Hall of Fame. I don't know if he's in Canton. I don't know. If he wasn't dirty, he'd probably be in because he has a ring with the Bucks, perennial pro bowler, you know. But when you're dirty, <laughs> the way that he was dirty and he's on the edge like that, I don't know. I don't know. You're a Lions fan. You would know more than me. Like, oh, my God. The fact years. that the Lions didn't win more when they had Dominican Sue and Ashawn Robinson mm. and Matt Stafford and Calvin Johnson, no. they, uh, they didn't have the right coach. They had Jim Schwartz. Then they had Jim Caldwell. They had the Jims. And they needed someone who could, that defense was monstrous. They just needed someone to organize all that talent. Instead, they were just running rampant and roughshod over each other. Uh, but tough. enough about me and my pain. So, yeah, the Icy Whites, that's going to be clean. That's going to be a good look. Yeah. Yo, I, to be honest, Chip, I wish that they would go back to the black uh, cleats sometimes with the home jerseys like they did in the 05 season. That's a good look. That's a sharp look. Black cleats, black socks. You can mix it up, you know. Let's bring in our man, Chris Hummer. What's up, Hummer? What up, y'all? How are you? He's working his ass off, but... By God, we uh, we appreciate him taking a little time with us. Hummer, nowhere I'd rather be, y'all. Uh, it's better than uh, dealing with portal stuff right now. So happy to. Well, and I know that everybody's trying to get a. It's interesting how people are declaring they're going into the portal, and the portal doesn't open until December fourth. <laughs> yeah, um, is I think we're at um, we're at over. 250 kids in the portal right now and i would imagine by the end of the week it'll be closer to like five or six and then 
when it actually opens on December 4th, you're going to see probably like another thousand kids enter in like a 48 hour period. So it's going to, it's going to get weird. And a lot of these kids are trying to get out ahead of it um, by getting their names up there. Any Texas names in there? None so far. Um, I think Texas is a little busy at the moment uh, competing for championships. So if you see movement on that front, I don't think it would until be it would be until after the Big Twelve title game. Yeah, that would that would be uh, that'd be helpful to everyone involved. Honestly, um, Hummer, we were we were just talking about Steve Sarkeesian. He went on Sports Center talking about the Big Twelve title game. He is not doing the lobbying um, as it pertains to the college football playoff committee rankings. He said, "Let me get through this Big Twelve title game." And then there's a conversation to be had. But these rankings tonight are important because they kind of set the table for how it's going to play out after the championship games, right? Yes and no. I suppose um, they do have a level of importance um, because it does, as you said, set the table. But I don't, we've seen movement before. I think we all remember 2014 when wasn't TCU. That was unbelievable. Like, yeah, TCU was three and then they dropped to five. Like a lot can happen. Um, that was a really weird one um, coming out of the Big 12 or for the Big 12 when the Big 12 got hurt for not having a championship game. Um, and I think we see that quite often. I don't think it matters if Florida State is three or four this week. I don't think it matters if Oregon's ahead of Texas this week or if Texas is ahead of Alabama, I think everything's really going to be determined by this Saturday's results um, and how teams play on Saturday as well. Yeah. Going into this Big 12 championship, Hummer, Oklahoma State, they've came a long way since getting blown out in Stillwater by South Alabama. And now Mike Gundy's gotten this team to Jerry World, which is very impressive, maybe his best coaching job. And he's had some pretty good ones in this stint. But their matchup against Texas, obviously, is going to be a tough one for them. The Horns are starting to really get their mojo, especially how they beat down the Red Raiders last Friday. Friday, how do you see this game playing out from Quinn Ewers to obviously, you know, Tramadre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Ollie Gordon matchup? There's a lot to look at with the Horns versus the Cowboys on Saturday. Yeah, I, I love what you said about Tramadre Sweat, Byron Murphy versus Ollie Gordon. That is the key to the game for me. And that is the only way I think Oklahoma State can have success in this game is if they figure out a way to mitigate those two big defensive tackles. Um, and that's really hard to do. Oklahoma State is built to run the football. Um, the season has their season has been rejuvenated since they built their team around running the football. They are built around that offensive line. They are built around Ollie Gordon, who I think is a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate. I wouldn't put him in the top three, but I think he should be in your top five. He's been that good this season. And if they're not running the ball, they're not going to have a lot of success. We saw that in that game they had against UCF. They could not run the ball at all. I think Ollie Gordon only had 25 yards that afternoon. It was a total blowout. And if Texas can mitigate that run game, I do not think Oklahoma State has enough from a passing perspective with Alan Bowman to really push Texas. Um, obviously, that's a pretty bad formula against Texas. I think Texas is much more vulnerable um, in the secondary and uh, when teams have to throw a lot. But, you know, that's what Oklahoma State's got. And I think that's for a big reason why. I think Texas is, what, a 14-point favorite right now? Like, it's a Texas 14-point favorite for a reason. Well, I want to jump backwards real quick, Hummer. Texas, the college football playoff, 
Florida State has to lose, don't they? Otherwise, all the spots are pretty much promised. I mean, Florida, I mean, Georgia or Alabama. Is there a scenario where Texas could get in if Florida State wins? I don't. Let me, let me do good, good radio slash TV slash video. Well, because uh, I do the winner of Oregon, Washington, <laughs> the winner of Oregon, Washington is in. Yeah. Um, I, well, yes. If, if Alabama beats Georgia, that would be the ultimate test for this committee because you'd have a one loss Texas conference champion, a one loss Alabama conference champion. But the committee could look at Georgia and say, Ah, we still think they're the best. We're putting them in. Yeah, I think Texas is in a pretty precarious situation um, if Florida State wins. I think Texas should be the biggest uh, Louisville fans in the world this weekend. If you're a Texas fan, you should be bleeding Cardinal uh, on Saturday. Like, you want that game. And I wrote a story for our for the Longhorn Nation about how to be a Cardinal fan this week. It's, it, it's at Horns 24-7 right now. I didn't... I did not include the fight song lyrics, but pretty much everything else. <laughs> if I'm disappointed, you're not singing the fight song right now. I guess this is the content I need uh, from you too. But um, yeah, no, I 100% agree. Like Texas fans need to be Louisville fans. Um, I think I personally am of the opinion, and I could be very wrong. If let's say Florida State wins out, Pac-12 team gets in, Michigan gets in. I think if Texas or if Alabama beats Georgia, Texas would get in over Alabama. I could be very wrong about that, but the committee respects head-to-head. There would be no difference in the conference championship that they won. Both teams would win one. And I, Texas won by 11 points on the road in September. That game should matter, and I think the committee would honor that. So I think if you're a Texas fan, you should also be rooting against Alabama. I could look really stupid. like I really could because Georgia and Alabama could still have an argument at that point. But I think Texas, with that win in September, would have the tiebreaker there. But uh, I guess we'll see. But, but Homer, I ask you this. Will they look at the Big 12 and how just weak it was this year and Texas' loss against Oklahoma, Oklahoma not even being in the Big 12 championship game, will that hurt Texas in the long run? I guess it could. But, I mean, Oklahoma, what did they finish? They finished 9-3. Like, they're a top 15 team. It's not like Texas' loss is terrible. It came at the last second when Dylan Gabriel played his butt off. Um, I mean, Louisville's out of the mix, but Louisville lost to Pittsburgh. Like, it's not like they're in the mix. And I mean, it, it very well could, but I, I think Texas, I think the win should matter more than the loss personally, but I don't know if the committee's going to consider it. That's, um, what, that's what drives me crazy, Hummer. This committee seems to look at the losses. <laughs> like, Oregon, better loss against Washington than Texas's loss against OU. Like they have not valued the Alabama win when going, you know, comparing Texas and Oregon apparently because for the first two sets of rankings that came out, Oregon hadn't played anybody. They hadn't beaten anybody. Well, I think, I think if there's anything really to push, hold Texas back, it's the way they've played in some of these games. Texas is strength. Excuse me, Texas' strength of schedule has not been difficult. The Big 12 is way down this year. And those close calls against Houston, Kansas State, and TCU, um, TCU I think really hurt Texas. 
Um, if they win those games comfortably, like 10 or 15 points, like I think it's a much different conversation with Oregon. Oregon, which has a weaker strength of schedule than Texas, is benefiting because they beat the crap out of people. And I don't think it's the loss that matters more in that situation. I think it's the way they've won, which is why I think if Oregon wins on Saturday, like they'll have a real argument to be over Texas despite a better strength of schedule or a worse strength of schedule. But I think I still don't think the committee is going to necessarily value losses more than wins when it comes down to it. I, I could be wrong. Um, and it's probably stupid to think that the SEC might not get a team in. That's never happened before. But I don't think Texas is out of it necessarily if Florida State wins. They just need some help from um, Alabama. Yeah. How do you think that Washington-Oregon game is going to play out? We saw the first time Washington barely squeaks it out, but Oregon's playing some really good ball as of late. Who wins the Pac-12 championship, Hummer? That game's wild to me. Like That game was played two months ago, and Washington was a three-point favorite at home. So now I believe the line is 10, so it's a full 10-point swing when you factor in the fact that uh, the home team usually gets three points in college football. So I, I think Oregon's playing better. Washington, I believe, has won seven straight games by a possession or less. They are TCU from last year, and we saw TCU in this situation last year, right? Like They kept squeaking through games, they kept, kept squeaking through games, and they couldn't get it done against Kansas State. And I would expect Oregon to do a similar thing to Washington. Washington's just not playing that well right now. Um, unfortunately for Washington, with the way the rest of the country shakes out, if they lose that game, they're not going to get the TCU treatment. They're not going to get to go to the college football playoff. Just a much more competitive run at the top right now. Um, but I, I think Oregon's in really good shape. I have, think they have defense to at least slow down Michael Penix in that receiving game. I think they have the front seven to limit the run game. And frankly, like Bo Nix is playing better than anybody in the country not named Jaden Daniels right now, and I think Oregon's going to be really tough to beat. So from the Texas filter, is it better if Washington beats Oregon or does it, does it matter? It's just the winner of that game is in, the loser is out. I think if you're Texas, you want Oregon to win because it gives you another one-loss team to at least be in the conversation with, especially if Oregon only squeaks by um, Washington. Um, I think it's a conversation, at least. Um, Oregon's best win would be over Washington. After that, I don't think Oregon has another top 25 win on its resume. Um, Texas will have several, including a win over a top 10 team in Alabama. So I, I think that's at least a conversation point. If Washington wins, you could totally write off the Pac-12. But um, if Oregon wins, at least it's a conversation. So if I'm a Texas fan, I'm 100% uh, rooting for the Ducks this weekend. Yeah. Alabama, Hummer, one of the craziest games we're going to see in that Iron Bowl this past Saturday. I don't know who you look at when it comes to that type of win. Like Jalen Milrow, he was obviously hype after the game, calling himself the Heisman. So I don't know if that's just a great win for Bama or just a horrible loss for Hugh Freeze and the Auburn Tigers. Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, what was it, 4th and 31? They called Gravedigger. What an amazing, an amazing play name. The disaster, the, the disaster in the pasture. Uh, Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, really good. Um, and I mean, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know which loss is worse. Uh, Hugh Freeze losing to New Mexico State the way they did last week or uh, this one where they had the game in the palm of their hands and just totally blew it. But um, Nick Saban just finds a way to get stuff done sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, um, 
Alabama really had no business winning that game. Um, but it's pretty remarkable what Jalen Milrose done this season. Uh, he has totally rebounded his career. Um, there are no questions about who the quarterback's going to be at Alabama next year. I think they built that offense around him squarely, and they have a lot of momentum going into Georgia. Um, I don't know if they'll beat Georgia. I think Georgia is beatable, um, and I'll be very curious how that goes Saturday. But that Alabama team that Texas played in September is a lot different than the one that's out there today. And I'm sure that's going to be the argument the committee's making um, that comes down to that here uh, in what, like, four days or something like that. So that'll be interesting. Does does Texas need to be worried about the fact that uh, they're behind Ohio State in the coaches poll? Like, that's kind of what I'm watching tonight when the CFP rankings come out. Like, Texas needs to be, obviously, they're not going to be ahead of, of Oregon. But where's Ohio State? How far should they fall? I don't think Texas should be worried if they come behind Ohio State right now. I don't I don't think it matters. Um, I think it's a real possibility Texas is behind Ohio State. Um, Ohio State has a better resume to this point. Their only loss uh, was by one possession on the road against the number three team in the country. So it's not like it's a bad resume. I think Texas, ultimately, if it wins the Big 12 championship, will hop Ohio State. Um, they have an extra win there against a top 25 team in Oklahoma State, and they would have a conference championship. So if I was a Texas fan, I would not panic if Ohio State is ahead of them this week. I don't think they will be. I think Ohio State will probably check in as the first or second one-loss team. So I could see Oregon ahead of them, but I could also see Ohio State remaining at four. But that doesn't matter because in a week, as we saw back in 2014 when TCU got left out without playing the conference championship game, that's going to matter in this situation in a way it didn't last year when Ohio State still squeaked in. So... If I'm a Texas fan, I'm not panicking if I see Ohio State above them. See, Hummer, if the Big Ten knew what was up, we could see a rematch of that game this week for a Big Ten championship. But no, we got to see the Iowa Hawkeyes play against Michigan for the Big or for the Big Ten championship, which that their defense very stingy, but that offense, man, that's tough. <laughs> it's a, it's tough to watch, and nobody's giving them a chance to win this game. If they somehow win it, what would that mean for the committee and just in general for college football? I have not honestly. I've not even thought about a scenario in which Michigan <laughs> loses that game. So you're yeah, you're forcing me to go to a weird place right now, man. Like I I just can't imagine a scenario would happen. I don't know. I, I think Michigan gets left out and then the four conference champions get to go because Iowa's not making the playoff 10 and 2. So you're going in a situation where like two weeks ago, Ohio State and uh, Michigan were 2-3 in the country and it was a lock one of them was going to get in to a situation where neither one of them can get in because I don't think Michigan, if it loses to Iowa, gets in. Um, that would be considered a pretty bad loss. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess if you're a Texas fan, root really hard for Iowa's defense because you're going to have to hope they score a couple touchdowns because that offense ain't going to carry it there. Um, but that that game's going to be incredible, by the way. The over the first half over-under in that game for Iowa is 0.5 points. So Vegas <laughs> does not think they're going to score a point. That is just incredible television. It's compelling television. I'm, I'm very excited for it. I've grown... Um, I've gone from just, like, not enjoying watching Iowa football to really embracing it the last couple of weeks, and it's made the enjoyment. Uh, much, much better. Uh, I'm rooting for punts, rooting for interceptions. I'm rooting for defense. Like that offense stuff is overrated. So uh, ready for the Iowa Hawkeyes to challenge the Michigan Wolverines.
Kirk Ferentz, baby. 10 and 2 with no offense. Yeah, Bill Parker Parker doesn't win the Broyles Award this year. The uh, award is absolutely. He is by far the most valuable coordinator in the country. Not even close. No question. That I'm telling you right now, that's who I voted for. Um, so Hummer, what happened at AM? <laughs> Mark Stoops, a lot of heat around Mark Stoops. Seemed like that was Ross Bjork's guy. And then John Sharp said, No, 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 no. I'll handle this. Yeah. Um... We've talked about this before multiple times that the AM governance of the athletic program is complicated, um, much like Texas was complicated um, in the heyday of Steve Patterson. What a wonderful era of Texas athletics that was. Um, and I've heard, I mean, Jimmy Sexton was also involved in this. He represents Mark Stoops, and things can get very complicated when Jimmy Sexton is involved with anything. Um, so I think that certainly played a role, but as I understand it, um, and like I could very well be wrong, these things are all rumors that the Texas A&M booster uh, group, uh, the money, wasn't thrilled about the idea of Mark Stoops. Um, and when that idea was presented to him, we saw what happens. It, it really did feel like just from a, like if you're a reporter and you're thinking about how other people reported something, it really feels like Mark Stoops might have been floated out there um, by people to get the uh, higher shot down. It was very similar to the Jeremy Pruitt situation we saw at Tennessee a couple years ago. Um, Maybe not quite to the same degree, and I don't think that's necessarily fair to Mark Stoops because Mark Stoops is an excellent coach and has a much more proven track record in the SEC than Mike Elko, but Mark Stoops wasn't going to sell any tickets for the NM fan base, I suppose, and they wanted something sexier, so they went and got uh, Mike Elko, who was the D.C. when things were good at A&M. He was the D.C. in 2020 when... They uh, put the number five team in the college football playoff on that plaque. So that carries a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah, Elko, I mean, it makes sense. You just mentioned his history of being, you know, a coordinator there. But you were hearing guys like Jeff Trailer and stuff. And it's like, why not go that route? It's just because UTSA not big enough like the ACC and what Elko did in Durham. I, I wish I could answer that question. Like, I would have hired Jeff Trailer. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, it's weird, Hummer. Like, that's who I thought they were going to get. So, Elko, again, I get his history of being in College Station, but Trailer just seems like that guy that has a certain bond with a lot of these high school coaches in the state, and he would have fit into as weird as College Station is, he would have fit into that culture. I will say, like, Part of college football in this era is not only are you hiring the right coach for the future, you have to kind of hire the right coach for the present. Um, And at a program like Texas A&M, which I think a lot of people consider to be a turnkey job, right? Like you turn it on and it's going to work. And that's what should happen with this roster. And because that roster is so important, and because there are that many talented players on the roster, many of whom were at least recruited by Mike Elko at one point, Hiring somebody like Mike Elko gives them the best chance to retain a lot of that roster. Um, and I, I've heard that a couple times this week since Mike Elko was hired. I think AM is now in position to hold on to a lot of its top players, which wouldn't have been the case if Jimbo had stayed, and which might not have been the case if Jeff Trailer stayed. I'm kind of of the opinion if you get in a room with Jeff Trailer, I have a hard time telling the guy no. 
But I think Mike Elko brings a level of um, stability there that is valuable um, in the transfer portal era. We're, we're seeing it right now. We're seeing big name players enter all the time, and we're nowhere close to seeing the amount of big name players who will end up entering. And if AM can hold on to the majority of their roster and have a chance to compete in the SEC West next season, I think that is a valuable part of the Mike Elko uh, resume, I suppose. Hummer, where does Jeff Trailer end up? <laughs> well, I mean, our friend Joseph Duarte, reporter earlier today, he was interviewing at UTSA. Um, I don't know. I'm sorry, he's interviewing at Houston. Uh, he's already at UTSA. Um, I think that compl- that situation is fluid. Um, Houston, I think, should hire Jeff Trailer. I think Houston has interest in Jeff Trailer. I don't think this is the first season Houston has in- had interest in Jeff Trailer. Um, so that marriage makes a lot of sense on paper, but like money is a thing in college athletics and resources is a thing in college athletics, and Houston has to be willing to invest. Um, and I think it remains to be seen, at least to this point, if Houston is willing to um, have the level of investment necessary to get somebody like Jeff Trailer. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. And Gary Patterson would take that job if if it comes to that. So, yeah, I think Gary wants back. I think Gary Patterson wants back in. So, I mean, that's not a bad like consolation prize potentially. But um, yeah, I like Jeff Trailer, Willie Fritz were on that radar um, early on. Gary Patterson, I think, is definitely at least in the mix there. So that should be interesting. You surprised Baylor held on to Aranda? A little bit. Um, not shocked. I think Dave Aranda is well-liked there. Um, if you talk to Dave Aranda, it's hard not to like the guy. He just thinks in a different way than everybody else. Plus, his buyout, I don't know what the number is. They're a private school, but I've heard it's pretty significant. Um, his contract runs through 2029, so it would have been um, difficult from a cost perspective to get rid of him this offseason. Um I think Dave Aranda, from what I understand, has promised to be more aggressive from a transfer portal and NIL perspective. I think Dave Aranda has promised to be a little more aggressive from a recruiting perspective as well. Um, They've struggled um, in both of those elements since a lot of Matt Rule's players have left. And I think if it goes wrong next year, Dave Aranda won't be back, but he will be given this offseason to kind of reset and revamp that roster. And We've seen a little bit of that already with Blake Shapin announcing he's going to leave. Like they're going to probably have a new quarterback. They're going to have a new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. It's going to be a reset there. So it's up to Dave Aranda to figure out a way to make it feel like 2021 again. Cause it wasn't that long ago when he won a big 12 championship. 2021 when he had Matt rules players. Hey, Matt rule didn't win a big 12 championship. I will That's say true. that, but uh, no, I totally agree. Like he, uh, Dave Aranda, um, if you ever talk to him, has, I think, a really fun personality. I find him very interesting. But at a place like LSU, he was allowed to just be the defensive coordinator. He had some of the best talent in the world. And because of that, he had some of the best defenses in the world. At Wisconsin, very similar thing. At Baylor, there's more responsibilities. The head coach in college football isn't just a coach. You're a fundraiser. You're um, a CEO. Like Nobody exemplified that better than Mac Brown. And... I think Dave Aranda is one of those people that um, struggles in some of those aspects in some ways. So he has to, he has to figure out the balance of both of those to have a lot of success. Hummer. I remember one point in time we were talking about Deion Sanders and this team maybe get to a CFP and now they're not even going to make a bowl game. Who knows what Deion's going to do? 
where does Colorado and primetime go from here? Uh, sorry, I just saw somebody report that Bobby Petrino is going to be Arkansas's offensive coordinator, and that one is wild. That's out of nowhere for me. Yeah. Um, what was the question, Zay? I'm sorry. Oh, Dion, primetime in Colorado. We thought they were going to be very good after they beat TCU, team that went to the national championship the year prior, and now they're not even going to make a bowl game. And it seems like all hell's broken loose. They're losing recruits and commitments. Where do you think Dion and Colorado go from here? I think Dion Sanders is going to have to make some adjustments to the way he coaches too. Um I think his personality goes a long way, and I think he's ultimately going to be pretty successful. But you have to have people around you who completely buy into your vision. You have to put a staff around you who completely buys into your vision. And I don't know if he did that the first time around, and we've seen some uh, changes on his staff as a result of it uh, recently. And I think Dion's going to have to learn how to be a FBS head coach. Um, like, I'm not saying he's doing a bad job. I think Deion Sanders is refreshing in a lot of ways, but like it's a learning curve and it takes time to adjust as a roster. Deion's going to have to consistently recruit. Deion's going to have to learn to deal with less, which is something he's never had in his career. He had more talented players at Jackson State. He had more talented players at Trinity Christian. Um, so I think Deion just needs to grow um, into the role. And I think he'll be fine ultimately, but um, it was always short sighted to see um, Colorado as a playoff team or something like that. Um, that was sort of a ridiculous conversation back in September. Um, <laughs> we got lost in the Dion sauce, as you will. But um, ultimately, like Colorado was a lot better this year. They were the worst Power 5 football team a season ago. Now they're 4-8, and eight, um, beat a team like TCU on the road. Like Colorado was a heck of a lot better this year. And they just have to make those incremental steps forward because it's it's not that is not a turnkey job. Like that is not what Mike Elko inherited as a roster. Like Dion's gonna have to build from the ground up. Um, and we'll see if he can do it. That Bobby Petrino. Oh man, the neck roll and everything. Neck brace, yeah. Bobby. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> we'll let you go on this. Texas win the Big 12 championship Saturday. Um, yes. If Texas doesn't win the Big 12 championships on Saturday, I think something went spectacularly wrong. Um, I think it would take multiple turnovers from Texas. I think it would take a special teams, a defensive touchdown from Oklahoma State, and Alan Bowman would have to play like 20, what was it, like 2017 Texas Tech Alan Bowman for this to work. I feel like Alan Bowman's been around forever. So yeah, I think this will be Texas's first Big 12 championship since 2009. And, uh, then Texas fans are going to be waiting with bated breath to see how Florida State fares that night. All right. Hummer, you're the best. We know you're going 100 miles an hour. Always appreciate it, my brother. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. Absolutely, y'all. Thanks so much. Thanks, right. Hummer. Appreciate you. Chris Hummer, he's working it. He's working the breaking news. Um, love that conversation. Um, yeah, hide your co-eds. <laughs> CB said Hydra Coens, Arkansas Petrino's back. <laughs> I mean, oh, Bobby, man, wow, yeah, that neck brace going back, maybe. Yeah, Pete Thamel reporting that uh, Arkansas is vetting. Okay, Bobby Petrino as a possible offensive coordinator hire. Um, 
All right, we'll we'll come back to that. But uh, let me tell you about my my good friends at Apple. Lacey, my man Scott Cross, that came up with a genius idea uh, about thirty years ago to lease any make or model of car uh, to the people of Austin. And it has been spectacular. Uh, here's, here's why. Because maybe you're a person who used to buy or has always bought used cars because you don't want to pay for the future trade-in value of the car. You just want to get the value. Okay, well, you're not paying for the future trade-in value of the car when you're leasing from Apple Leasing. You're getting into a brand new car. You're picking everything, the interior, the exterior. It's a better car than you thought you could afford because you're not paying for the future trade-in value of the car. And it's brand new under warranty and you're loving it. It's like riding around in your living room and you're going to be in traffic. So you got to love the car you're in. And here's the thing. You lease from Apple Leasing. A couple of years into the lease, you want to change make and model of car. No problem. You lease from a dealership, they're not going to let you out of your lease agreement to go lease a different make and model of car. So make it easy on yourself. The easy lease at Apple Leasing, everything is easy at Apple Leasing. I mean, they'll talk you through it. Maybe you think you might want a sedan, but maybe you're thinking sports car or SUV. They'll just talk you through it because they don't care what car you pick. It's not like you're going to get haggled and hassled. They just want you to be happy. They want to build that relationship with you. Um, take it from me. I've been with them for 15 years. AppleLeasing.com. Give them a call. 346-9977. Tell them Chip Brown sent you. And, uh, and you know, our good friends at Salt Traders Coastal Cooking, our man Jack Gilmore, who started Jack Allen's Kitchen, Decided, you know what? I'm going to have a seafood restaurant and it's going to be called Salt Traders Coastal Cooking and it's happy hour every night from 3.30 to 6.30. You get $5 off the beginnings menu, which has the, the barbecued uh, New Orleans barbecued shrimp, the grilled oysters, the chow de fries. Um, go have a great meal and a great date. Just order family style from the, from the beginnings menu. And you'll eat like a king and queen, Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. And you see my hat here, Brain Vault. Listen, best mouth guard on the market today. Patented, proven to reduce the effects of concussion. If you're head of a cheerleader group, a lacrosse team, basketball, volleyball, I mean, any sport where your head is going to possibly take any kind of trauma, you got to have a mouth guard and the best mouth guard on the market is produced right here in Austin from our man, Dr. Greg Eckert, Dr. U-E-C-K-E-R-T. Um, they do group fittings. They'll come to you to make sure that you, your team have the best mouth guards out there. Bijan Robinson wears it. You need to make sure you're protected. Brainvault.com to set up a fitting. All right, Zay. Um, lots to chew on there. And Sark did go on Sports Center. He did not politic. He pretty much said the same thing he said Monday. They were just asking about the Big 12 title game. And he talked about why this team is special. He did not. He said, you know, let's get through the, the Big 12 title game. And then you'll hear me campaign, he said, campaign. So, um, and in talking to Hummer, 
you know, he, and he's he's right in that a one-loss conference champion has to prevail over a one-loss non-conference champion, i.e. Ohio State and or the loser if Alabama beats Georgia. And that's what's going to be fascinating for me. You almost hey, 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 don't sleep on Iowa. Don't sleep on Iowa. I'm telling you, Cade McNamara, he went to Michigan. Uh, according to the college football report on Twitter, he's letting Iowa know everything he knows about the Wolverines. And also he's got their signals. Football. Yes. Yeah, that Jared Wiley. Yeah, man. Yeah. Wouldn't that be that. wouldn't that be amazing? Oh, that'd be glorious. Wouldn't that, that be amazing? Absolutely glorious. Because like you said, one lost team that doesn't win their conference, especially to that Iowa team that's been, you know, they've been solid, but they shouldn't be beating no Michigan. No big ten uh Big Ten team deserves it. So Texas, yeah, they Slither their way in there real smooth. I take that all day. I'll be watching all these games, man. You know what the killer is? You get the pack, you get the Pac-12 championship on Friday night. And I'm of the belief that it doesn't really matter who wins that game for Texas, but um you get that game Friday night, you almost wish you were getting. I don't know. You got to wait till the very last game, Louisville and Florida State, to find out. Possibly, unless your Iowa Hawkeyes take down Michigan, but that game is also at seven o'clock. You got that game on Fox, Michigan and Iowa going up against Louisville and Florida State, who will be playing at seven o'clock on ABC Saturday night. And everyone's going to be huddled around these games like, you know, moths to a flame, baby, trying to figure out what on earth. And I think back to last year when they they didn't have enough teams to put in the playoff. And, like, people were wondering, are they going to let USC and Caleb Williams playing on one leg into the playoff? And TCU loses on championship weekend and still gets in. Mm. And this year you got eight teams, eight legit teams, possibly with a very legitimate claim to be in this four team invitational. That's what it is. As long as you've got this committee basically handing out invitations. It's not a playoff. Next year, we'll have a playoff. Yeah. This year, we have an invitational. And it's it's uh, it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be fascinating. And look, we we knew that those, those close calls against Houston, K-State, TCU were not helping. But... Hey man, if you can finish fast and furious and kind of try to make them forget about those games, then you can say, well, we're blowing out people now. Beat the crap out of Texas Tech. Need to beat the crap out of Oak State. Yo, I think it's possible, Chip. 
I really do. I mean, that line's there for a reason. Oklahoma State, you mentioned their last two games. Like, having to fight back like that, that takes a lot out of a squad. Like, that game in Stillwater this past Saturday against the Mormons, that shit was stressful. Gundy was playing with himself. Yeah, for real. Gundy playing with himself. He probably losing, you know, pellets of his mullet. Like... That game was bad, stressful. So just to make it out of that, can they bring it back down for just the physicality of this Texas Longhorn team? You know, that's a lot for, you know, I mean, they got a lot of redshirt seniors on that squad, but young men to get over. You know, even the NFL, you see it all the time. You have a very just tough, hard-fought game, and then the next week you play a dud. So Mike Gundy... You know, all that passive-aggressive talk that he's doing in his presser and stuff, he better have his team ready because I think if the Horns, if they punch him in the mouth early, this could be a team that just, even though they've came back these last few games, doesn't get up because they don't have anything left. They didn't you come know? back against Central Florida. Show didn't. After an emotional win in the Bedlam game. Like, you see what I'm talking about? Like, beating Oklahoma the way they did. Everybody rushes the field and stuff. This is the last time you're ever going to play them. You know that Poonanny that they were getting that was just uncontrollable. Like, come on now. When they throwing all that in your face, just you, you, some of those guys, they never lived that life before. And then they come in that next week and get those baby blue jerseys of UCF and they get beat 45-3. So, yeah, they're capable of taking an ass whooping, man. And, hey, the Horns, they need all the style points they could get. Hopefully, Sark's play calling doesn't play into that. He's been very good by letting Burl Auburn get out there and knock down field goals instead of going for it on fourth downs because we've seen in a lot of these games this season, they don't get the fourth down, and then the momentum shifts right. to the other team. And That's that a great happen. point. That's a great point, Zay. Five field goals. Texas kicked five field goals, and they won 57-7. to seven. So take the points. Take the points. Keep keep the momentum. Keep that momentum. Let that defense, you know, okay, now they got to drive the ball up the field 80-something yards. We'll take that because that's going to be tough. We want that Ryan Watts ignorant throw from Alan Bowman. You know, we don't want them to get good field position. The only time that Tech scored last week is when they had that good kick return. That was it. Taj Brooks had that run. Keaton Crawford had the pass interference. And then uh, Brandon Morton was in the end zone on that run. So other than that, if you control the field, you're good. Ryan Sanborn, you know, punt it sometimes. That's fine. Ryan Sanborn, this needs to be a big game for you. Let that defense play tight. Let those secondary guys, Malik Muhammad and Terrence Brooks, are proven. There shouldn't be no more question marks on those guys. If Ryan Watts isn't able to play, which I, it's hard for me to see him playing at this point. He's been just up and down all year with his, with his injuries. Now he's dealing with a back. If he don't play, that's all right. Gavin Holmes was out there playing hard last week. Like These guys, they're ready. They are ready to go. They are living for these moments. So let them play that tight coverage to where those defensive linemen can get to Bowman and we can get those ignorant throws and make plays happen because we know if this Longhorn team forces turnovers, 
just like anybody playing football, they're going to give themselves a better chance to win like they've done these last few weeks. Yeah. The guy you got to you gotta keep an eye on is Brennan Presley. He quit. Yeah, he's the 5'8", 175-pound burner, number 80. Dang. He's been there forever, hadn't he? Like, damn, what are you yeah. playing with? Brennan Wheaton, that's how old he is? Like, that's an old dude. Yeah, yeah. That's the guy you gotta, that's, that's the guy you gotta, you gotta stay attached to. That's why if I, I swear, if I see any soft coverage in this game, I'm going to lose it because when Texas is playing downhill, playing aggressive, everybody's populating the ball. That's when Texas's defense is at its best. When you're telling them, Hey, play off and keep everything in front. No, no. Don't ever say that again. Die on your shield, not on your knees, and take it to them. Yeah. That's that's the way this team needs to play. I need well, to see Tondre Sweat, Stiff Arm, and Jalen Ford off of the tackle. Yeah, I'm with that. I'm with that. And if you're Pete Kukowski, another thing that should give you confidence is what the safeties have been doing. Like Mookie Taff, y'all throw anything deep. We've seen Mookie Taff. He'll go get that thing. Jaron Thompson's been really good these last few weeks. Like Keaton Crawford, yeah, he's had a couple of mistakes. And, you know, Xavier Wordy would have had the punt return if he didn't mess that up and he had the pass interference. But I still trust Keaton Crawford out there. And Jalen Catalan, I, I saw him more towards the end of the game. Last I'll take Keaton so. Crawford on special teams. I don't need to see him in safety anymore. Damn, just like that. I mean, yo, the what what Derek Williams has shown us, I can't knock it, you know. Derek like, Williams, tough. Jaron Thompson, Mookie Taff, Jalen Catalan. Just that those yeah, Jalen Catalan. Come on, Jalen. Jeez. Yeah, he's clearly not 100 percent still. Or they just don't. I don't know. This would be a great game to have Jalen Catalan. Yeah. He'll come right. down and hit Ollie Gordon. He'll hit him right in the chops. Yeah. Well, I like what David Binder said, you know, in his press conference yesterday. Yo, we know what Oklahoma State loves to do, and we're licking our chops. Like, we love that. Like, he loves that. And David Binda, salute to him, the fifth-year senior. He's had a very solid season, the whole linebacker core. You know, you could throw Jet Bush in there, too, even though he's been more of an edge rusher this season. But Ant Hill, Jalen Ford, those guys obviously have to have big games because even though Mike Gundy says they're just going to block T-Sweat, man, he know he lying. He ain't going to have Alan Bowman and Ollie Gordon just live that horrific Saturday lifestyle if they play Javondre uh, Sweat straight up. Like, the linebackers should have a big game. Yeah. Oh, let's bring in our man, Hank South, recruiting guru, Horns 24-7. He's got a fresh, hot story right out of the oven about some of the transfer portal targets who would make big-time sense for the Horns. Hank, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Oh, man. Good, man. We're, we're deep in the tailgate for the Big 12 title game already. Yep. yep. Looking forward to it. So guys are getting in the portal. Um, tell us about your story today. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's funny, like the portals aren't even open yet. Um, but I feel like that's all the talk of college football outside of conference championship week is guys that intend to, there's one that you can uh, announce your intentions to enter the portal. Then there's entering the portal when you can actually um, officially put your name in it. So a lot of the stuff we're seeing this week is guys just, you know, they intend to enter the portal or, you know, we're hearing a guy is going to enter the portal, that kind of stuff. And so obviously that's going to all explode even more so come Monday when the portal actually opens. I know 24 seven sports is doing like a transfer Palooza show um, on their YouTube page, um, and and that's always a great a great thing to tune in for, because um, it's going to be wild. It's I mean it's already wild. Um, but yeah, on, on uh, Hornets twenty four seven earlier today, we uh, teamed up with Jordan Scruggs, and we kind of did a little preview on three guys that there's already transfer buzz about. Um, because there there's some people like oh you know it, it, it's hilarious we see people being like oh Arch Manning is going to go to. Auburn he's going to go to Oklahoma or Ohio State like people are just all the fans just like want to make up stories but then there's actual like truth to stuff that you know we're hearing and you know there, there's buzz behind the scenes and, and that's kind of what we looked at um, and we picked out three names for right now come Monday Jordan's going to have a huge feature on uh, transfer portal options um, and obviously Chip you had your you know transfer portal needs um, which was great last week in the insider but um for ours today, we, we went with Relique Brown as one of them. And he's um, Chris Hummer on 24-7 that you guys talked to. Um, he reported yesterday, Relique Brown, who's a um, former top 50 recruit at USC, um, an athlete, started as a running back, got converted to a wide receiver this year. He intends to enter the portal per Chris Hummer. Um, and we included him on that list just because, you know, you kind of look at it from Texas's standpoint, they're likely losing a lot of uh, offensive explosive playmakers what better, you know, pickup to get than a guy that, um, you know, has already performed at, at a high level. He had a really strong freshman season, kind of took a step back this year when they moved him to wide receiver. But um, a guy that can do it all, you you know, I kind of compared him almost to Keelan Robinson, um, that kind of role, maybe more of an expanded role on offense, but someone that can help you on special teams as well. Um, so we went with Relique Brown and, and per Chris Hummer, he actually has a lot of interest in Texas. So we're going to obviously has to be a two way street. So we're going to see who who Texas, you know, truly targets, but um, Relique Brown was one. Then another one, this was a guy um, Jordan brought to my attention, was um, Jamari Caldwell from Houston, who Texas fans I'm sure remember from um, the Texas-Houston game. He had two sacks against Texas. Um, he's had six and a half sacks on the season. He's a, a guy that has one more year of eligibility, an interior defensive lineman um, that um, Jordan is Jordan Scruggs is hearing is going to enter the portal. You would think, you know, Texas, you know, that's kind of the – that's the highest priority probably in terms of portal hunting is that defensive line position with Sweat and uh, Murphy likely moving on. And uh, it's interesting, Caldwell actually has the second highest run defense grade per on PFF just behind Tavondre Sweat in the Big 12. So certainly a guy um, that could come in and, and uh, kind of fill that void that's going to be there this offseason and provide some veteran experience. And then lastly, I know everyone wants Evan Stewart, um, you know, Matthew Golden over on Houston, but um, one guy we're watching is Will Shepard, who's a um, Vanderbilt uh, wide receiver. That's again, Jordan Scruggs is all over the portal. He he's uh he's hearing he's going to enter the portal, and and Texas is on his short list if if they show interest in him. And he's a guy that you know, if you're looking for a bright spot with Vanderbilt football, he's probably one of them. Um, just over 600 yards receiving this year, had big games in in, in big moments against uh, Mizzou, Florida. Um, 
He was actually a midseason All-American, uh, third team guy on one of the on one of the uh, outlets. So a guy that, you know, 6'3", six, three, uh, six, three, 198, kind of almost that Adonai Mitchell type, um, a guy that has SEC experience, has shown that he can play in the league um, and has that, you know, veteran experience as well you're looking for that could come in and maybe uh, provide a boost of that that they're going to need in, in the wide receiver core um, come next season. So just three names, more of a playful exercise um, than anything. Obviously, you know, Texas has to decide who they're going to recruit, but these were some of the guys we thought made sense. Yeah, hang. that's good stuff per usual. Now let's go to College Station a little bit because you mentioned Evan Stewart and all these Longhorn fans. They're hoping that he makes that flip, but just because they watched that John Tay Cook video last year. But Mike Elko comes in. It's only natural to think that he can't keep everybody there. Do you see anybody from those really good recruiting classes that might hit the transfer portal that we should know about? Not yet. Um, and I, I think most of the guys, you know, there's been a bunch of reports that Evan Stewart is a possibility to enter the portal. I, you know, it sounds like, you know, he could be. We're, we're still keeping an eye on that. But I think there a lot of these guys are kind of giving Mike Elko, you know, a chance to at least talk to them. And again, he has um, a few days before the portal actually opens. I guess it's kind of different with with AM hiring a new coach. But uh, I think they're giving him a chance to, you know, at least talk to them. He's known as a really strong recruiter. Um, so I know guys are excited about him. I know Ty Anthony Smith, who's um, one of the um, Texas's linebacker targets that's committed to the Aggies. Um, he's I think he's a big fan of Elko, and so that's probably a hire that that helps keep him in the fold. But Evan Stewart's going to be that name we're watching. And again, we didn't include him today just because you know he you know we haven't heard officially you know whether he's going to be in the portal or not, or you know whether Texas is even going to be involved. I would imagine they were just you know from the outside looking in, one time commit right down the road, you know, obviously has a past relationship with Texas. So it makes sense, um, especially with the need as well. So um, we'll see. But um, so far, not a ton coming out in terms of, you know, guys that are going to hop in the portal that, that um, you know, I, I think more so what I've been watching is guys in their 2024 class that, uh, you know, how is that that hire going to affect their commitment status? And so far, it seems like it's, it's more helpful than anything uh, for most of the guys, at least that Texas is interested in. Hank, um Obviously, there's a ton going on, and we are inching closer to signing day. Um, what, uh, in terms of the the Texas wish list, um, any updates that you think are significant? Yeah, um, so there's a couple. Um, last time we talked, uh, Kobe Black, the five-star defensive back from Waco, he was um, set to announce a decision on or tomorrow, Wednesday, November 29th, um, that's now postponed. Um, I'm told that's nothing to do with, you know, oh, he's having second thoughts or, you know, another school is trending or coming up behind, but um, he's just going to wait for a little bit longer. He's still expected to announce in this early signing period window. So um, it's not going to be that much longer. Everyone's waited this long, which a few more weeks going to hurt, um, but he has postponed. Um, he is expected in Arlington this weekend. Obviously his older brother plays for Oklahoma state. So that's one of the teams involved with him, Texas a and I'm sure, you know, Kobe Black's a guy Mike Elko is trying to get on the phone with um, right now, but I still think Texas is in a good spot for him. Um, I think that's where he feels comfortable. I think um, they're they're you know if I'm picking a team, I'm still leaning towards Texas pretty pretty heavily uh, for Kobe Black. So something would have to change in my opinion to move me off that. Um, another defensive back note of um, significance happened last night. Um, Florida parted ways with Corey Raymond, who's you know universally known as one of the strongest recruiters in the country. 
defensive backs coach um, in Gainesville. Um, and so, of course, you look at Xavier Fulsimi, um, the Florida five-star safety commit. You know, how is that going to impact things? He was already on – well, it was kind of like a, a tale of – you know, last night on social media, he put um, – I think, but like what WTH something after the news broke. So you think, you know, oh, he's respond, he's reacting to the Corey Raymond news. And then he comes out later saying he's still solid. He's not going anywhere. Uh, Mike Roach on 24 seven put out a report that, you know, he's, he's looking at some backup options. Um, so, you know, we know that we, we've reported, we know that Texas is recruiting him, that they, they, they would love to flip him, whether that will happen or not. We're going to have to wait and see. He was on campus last week for a visit um, if he returns for an official visit, we'll, we'll, uh, the date's not set, so we're not sure if that's going to happen yet. But Texas does want him in the class, so you would think Corey Raymond getting let go, their defensive coordinator getting let go in, in, in Florida would impact his commitment status. We'll see how much. We'll see uh, – not the defensive coordinator of Florida. The, um, I think Spencer, Sean Spencer. Uh, but anyway, Corey Raymond was, is, is obviously the big name of note there. Um, so you would – you would think that that would impact him. And uh, that'll be kind of one of the big things we're watching down the stretch as well. Yeah. Hank, your thoughts on this last Friday's game against Texas tech 57 to seven, absolute blowout. And this Longhorns team with the momentum that they've had these last two games against tech and Iowa state going into the big 12 championship game against Oklahoma state. Yeah. You know, it was, it was finally that game where, you know, just, Foot on the gas, didn't stop. They went the whole game, blew them out. And, and I mean, just you keep. It was a whole team effort. You know, you look at the score, fifty-seven to seven, and you think, oh, Quinn Ewers must have diced up. You know, like just destroyed them. And like they, but it was. I mean, he really didn't. I mean, he had a good game. He just it wasn't like a, it wasn't his best game. Um, you know, it was a. You know, obviously the defense forced three uh, turnovers. You know, Jeb Bush had that crazy intercept, six interception. Uh, Jaden Blue was lights out. We saw flashes from Trey Wisner. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the, the receivers play all Keelan Robinson um, with the big kick return. So, I mean, just overall, I mean, just a total team dominant effort. And, and really, you know, as you, know, you want to keep working up to your best game and to have it in that, in that um, situation, you know, your final home big 12 game um, against a team that was, you know, just really making you mad in the off season and coming off their win and uh, you know, everything Brett Yormark said and, and uh, Joey McGuire. So, you know, just a huge win. Um, again, just total team effort. You saw what you wanted to see from everybody. Malik Muhammad kind of had a, he's already been playing well, but he kind of had his coming out party in terms of, you know, he can be that next great, you know, defensive back for Texas. Um, they held Taj Brooks in check under his season average. Uh, they kind of made life horrible for, for Morton. So really, I mean, it was just like a, Overall, great. I think the only like downside was, you know, the injuries kept piling up. You got, you know, you hope Ryan Watts is is going to be okay. Um, you know, and Tech had, you know, their fair share of injuries as well. So, uh, but overall, just a dominant effort, and it was uh, it was what Texas fans I think really wanted, wanted to see um, last Friday night. Well, what are your thoughts on Saturday's game at eleven uh, going up, up against the Oklahoma State Cowboys? Yeah, you know, it's kind of almost a similar thing with, you know, Tech, you know, you got to hold Ollie Gordon in check. You know, that's that's their offense. You know, their their rushing offense isn't like a top, I think it's like just outside the top 50 in the country. Uh, but then you look at Ollie Gordon, he's the leading rusher in the country, and he's like averaging 20 yards under their team total rushing. So, like, he is their rushing offense, so you want to hold him in check. Obviously, that's going to be a big key to the game. Texas has proven they can do that, you know, we already got some smack talk. You know, I think teams need to figure out, you know, like don't talk trash 
ahead of playing Texas because they totally use that. <laughs> and then they get mad and then beat you up. They're um, petty. Yeah, no, yeah. So, um, you know, Oklahoma State's defense isn't the best. You know, I, I think this offense, it should be another opportunity. You know, we can see C.J. Baxter. We can see Blue. We can see maybe more Wisner. We can see these guys have big performances in the run game. Quinn should be able to, you know, find holes in the defense. And uh, the wide receivers, I think, can can have a field day. So, you know, and, and you know, you play Oklahoma State. It's always – it feels like it's always one of those, you know, 41, 34, you know, those type games – I think Texas is is significantly better than Oklahoma State this year. So I think Oklahoma State will, you know, compete at least, you know, for, for a while. But, you know, I think Texas can, you know, win this by, you know, double digits when all is said and done. And you, you have to factor in the icy white factor. You know, they're they're wearing their icy whites on the road. It seem I think Quinn Ewers at least seems to play better uh, in icy whites. So, you know, we'll see. Um, but I like Texas in this one. Obviously, you know, I, I think they're going to handle business. I don't think they're listening to all the the rat poison, as Nick Saban would say in the media. You know, everyone's already talking about, you know, need Louisville to, to beat FSU. He's like, okay, well, you have to beat Oklahoma State first, too. And I think this coaching staff does a really good job of keeping that in focus, keeping that in check. I think these guys are going to be ready to go on Saturday morning. Well, and for those who uh, uh, enjoy Hank's, you know, appearances here on Chip and Zay on Texas Sports Unfiltered, today is the last day of our 75% off annual membership at Horns 24-7. You're getting in for nothing. Um, And you get some really cool stuff that goes along with that annual membership. So take advantage of that uh, today. Just go to my Twitter, ChipRound247. You'll see the links. Go to Hank's Twitter, Hank uh, South 247 And and jump in and join the family. Hank, appreciate it so much, man. Um, Let's do it again next week. Definitely. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Hank. Appreciate you, man. See you. Hank South, breaking it down. He's got the, uh, we're all over the portal too. So you don't want to miss out on all that reporting. I mean, Hummer's part of the 247 family as well. Um, Zay, Great blue hair and furniture, man. I mean, this is this is great high-end furniture. And look, we've got your promo code so that you're not going to pay uh, full price. You're going to get 15% off. You use Hook'em as the promo code. But go to greatblueheronfurniture.com and check out this incredible furniture. And the coolest aspect, whether it's, you know, couches, you know, recliner, bar stools, you can design it. They'll help you design exactly what you want, which I think is just so cool. It's not like, you know, going into a department store and having to pick what they have on the showroom floor. You can create what you want. So get to greatblueheronfurniture.com. This is uh, furniture that's built for a lifetime. It's custom. It's the best. Heck, you'll probably talk yourself into redoing a a room in your house just to have some of this furniture in it. That's how beautiful and outstanding it is. Greatblueheronfurniture.com. And of course, when you're sitting in your Great Blue Heron Furniture, um, you can check out your audiovisual consultations. Big screen, our man Tom McKay and his crew will bring everything to you. So don't go shopping around looking for big screens because they're going to bring you the best price on big screens. Um, all you have to do, you're busy, just call 
And literally from the free consultation to installation, Tom and his crew will bring everything to you, whether it's big screen TV, surround sound, surveillance, electronic shades, new lighting, um, your favorite restaurants in Austin, uh, go to AV consultations to make sure that they've got uh, everything uh, just set up perfectly and they'll do the same for you. They've done it for me in three different houses, avconsultations.com. Call them at 255-8678. Zay, um, I'm going to give you the, uh, the chip shot. Let's get it. You ready? Let's go. I mean, I got to talk about my man, Big T Sweat. A finalist, named a finalist today. One of three for the Outland Trophy. Um, that is the award given to the best interior lineman in college football. He's up against Cooper Beebe, who he throttled and just, you know, manhandled. So if we're we're going head to head here, I think Sweat has already sort of moved himself ahead of Cooper Beebe. And he's up against Joe Alt, the uh, talented offensive tackle uh, from Notre Dame. But Tavondre Sweat, when you look at what Texas's defense is doing right now, um, and they have been they have been stingy, and they're not letting anyone run on them. Um, certainly not any designed runs. And when you look at the highlight reel from the Texas Tech game, where my man T Sweat is knifing through the line at 362 pounds and stiff-arming Jalen Ford off of a tackle of Taj Brooks, you see the passion. You see the the fight, the want to, the desire that no 362-pound man should have for four quarters. But Devondre Sweat has it. And, you know, we talked about last year, Keandre Coburn and Moro Ojimo, who are both on NFL rosters right now. And, you know, wow, losing those two, it's a big deal. Who knew that the defense, the defensive line would be so much better with Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy? And we heard all along that, you know, you just got to get Tavondre in a position where he feels wanted and engaged because he had three different defensive coordinators um, in his first three years at Texas and he got frustrated. And then Bo Davis came in and I think Bo Davis fought. I think he went to Steve Sarkeesian and said, Hey, I need to have a little more say in how we're going to use the, the defensive line in this scheme. And they got it all worked out. And now you're seeing Bo Davis using Byron Murphy as a penetrator. I mean, he does not take on blocks. He shoots gaps because that will disrupt the run game. It certainly gives him a better opportunity to pass rush. And, and he's done that. I mean, he's, he's got, according to pro football focus, six sacks um, and, He's he's got the better pass rush grade than Tavondre Sweat. Tavondre Sweat has the better 
run defense grade because he's just, as he said, I'm a big old tank. He, he called uh, Murphy yesterday my short dog. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, that's but, good. You know, they list Murphy at 6'1". He's maybe six feet tall. Um, if that. If that. And, of course, T-Sweat is every bit of 6'4", 362. I mean, he's huge. Like, he came into the press conference um, yesterday, and you're like, wow, this is a big dude. And he just, he just has become an immovable force in the middle of that defensive line. I think he should be the big 12 defensive player of the year. I think he should win the Outland trophy. And I think he's a big part of the reason you really want to see Texas as the four seed in this college football playoff, just to see if Georgia can run on Texas two time defending champ. You know, I absolutely want the, uh, Adonai Mitchell Bowl in the playoff. I know first things first, win the Big 12 title game, but I just, I, I want to see Devondre Sweat go up against the best of the best, and he's going to do it on Saturday. Ollie Gordon leads the nation in rushing. Um, over, under, Ollie Gordon hitting 100 yards rushing. I'll take the under, and and let's go, because Devondre Sweat, great story. Great story. Three-star recruit out of Huntsville. Um, but, you know, kudos to Tom Herman's staff for uh, Oscar Giles. It's the guy who recruited him. Oscar's now, you know, defensive line coach at Wyoming. But Oscar did a great job recruiting him because Alabama came in. Nick Saban came in. And Javondre Sweat's like, Nick Saban's here to see me? Mm-hmm. And, and Oscar Giles made sure that uh, he he recruited Mama. T. Sweat said yesterday, "I'm a Mama's boy. I needed to be just far away from her, but close enough. We're close enough. I feel him. That, I feel him. You know that my I parents, thank goodness Kevin Durant is a Longhorn because T. Sweat's thrown them out at least three times this year. About yeah, I thought coming to UT, I'd get to meet KD. Like he still KD. hasn't met him." He still hasn't met him, which is wild to me. But, you know, KD's not in Austin very often, and he's going to be with the basketball program, obviously. But, man, like we've talked about Kevin Durant's impact on the basketball side, and he's that big to where he's impacting guys on the football side. Like that's pretty remarkable. And shout out to Luke Combs, too. Country singer that T Sweat, I guess, jams before the game. Like, he does. Hey, I jam some LL Cool J bad. Like, he jams Luke Combs, like to each his own. You know, whatever gets you going. Hey, give him Luke Combs. Hey, he's from Huntsville. That's what I'm saying, man. Like, the dude, he's not only a great football player, but he's a great person. The fact that he can flip the switch on and off, like, you hear him talking, and you're like, dude, you're a gentle giant. Like, everybody refers to him as the funniest guy on the team, you know, just for him to have. Yeah, they say that, he's even funny when he's not supposed to be funny. Right. That's what I mean. Like, for him to have that side of him, 
to be that personable and be that fun. And he talked about like just he hates seeing people in a bad mood. He likes to put smiles on people's faces. But then when the helmets go on and everything gets strapped up and you put on the pads, he's an animal. Like he's the best defensive player in the nation. And it's just, yeah, his presence and just what he brings to this ball club, like it's huge. He's a leader and he's that dude. He knows he's good. Like he said, he's not surprised that, you know, he's showing his talent out to the whole nation right now. And whoever asked him, like, yeah, I'm not surprised at all. Like he put in the work. This is why he came back to the University of Texas and him and what he calls short dog, our guy Byron Murphy, that dude, that tandem. It's nothing to be messed with. And you got to throw Vernon Broughton and Alfred Collins and Trill Carter in there too because that rotation allows Travondre Sweat and Byron Murphy to get breathers. So when the fourth quarter comes around, they're still fresh. And that just goes with, you just mentioned Bo Davis and Pete Kukowski and Sark, like the development from the coaching staff to have a deep, interior line group just a deep overall defensive line and being able to rotate those guys so they stay fresh i think that's why we've seen byron murphy and travandre sweat really thrive because those guys there's just no let up there isn't any let up when we talk to lance every thursday and he talked about you know talking to those alabama offensive linemen guys that they have on nil deals like when they talk about texas's defensive line they say yo there's no drop off zero so we obviously have seen drop offs because we watch every single snap but if you got guys like alabama talking like that then it must be somewhat true and yeah, that's why you've seen this defense just be so good because they're able to rotate guys, not only on the defensive line, but for the linebackers, for the secondary. And you know, there's not going to be much drop off, which is why they're one of the best defenses in the nation. Well, and Bo Davis is the one who convinced Tavondre that, hey, you left a lot on the table. Why don't you come back and help this team win a championship? And Tavondre Sweat said, Okay. And now Bo Davis needs to have that same conversation with Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton, Trill Carter, and tell them, hey, it's your turn. Yeah. You 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 see how much money Tavondre Sweat made himself this year? And Byron Murphy, too. I mean, yeah. the two of those, you know, the two of them next to each other helped each other, helped improve everything. And those two made money, big money this year. And so now Bo Davis has got a, um, you know, there's a reason they elevated Bo Davis to million dollars a year as a defensive right. line coach, Texas with $4 million assistance, Bo Davis, Jeff Banks, Kwiatkowski, and Kyle Flood. And there's a reason Bo Davis knows what he's doing knows how to get that animal instinct out of dudes. I mean, he helped Keandre Coburn a ton and, and Moro Ojimo as well. And Sweat and Murphy are probably, not probably, they're going to be higher draft picks than those two and bank. So, 
Yeah, this is a what a what a great way heading into the voting for all these awards for Tavandre Sweat to go up against the nation's leading rusher and be able to just show everybody what's going on. So, um, Zay, let's get to the right call, my man. Let's get it. Let's get it. Before we get to the right call, got to shout out Covert B Cave because y'all riding around right now listening to us. Some of y'all, I know y'all in that bucket. I know y'all in it. The hubcaps all coming off and stuff all the time. Man, get rid of that thing and go to Covert B Cave and get hooked up. Dan and the team, they've been doing it for over 100 years. So you know that it's going to be worth your while. And they've been taking care of people in the greater Austin area you know, for a very long time. And they've been providing customers with a high quality selection of new and pre-owned vehicles. And the customer satisfaction is always there. The service is always outstanding. You will be taken care of over there at Covert BK. Seven terrific brands to choose from, from Ram, Jeep, Cadillac, Dodge, Chrysler, GMC, and Buick. You will find what you want at Covert B Cave. Go to covertbcave.com for all the latest specials and inventory. Nobody beats a covert deal. Not now, not ever. All right, Chip, the right call today is going to get a little messy, my friend, because this story is just wild. Have you heard the Josh Giddy alleged scandal? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, indeed. Josh uh -oh. Giddy, who is that, y'all ask? If you're not watching the NBA or not a big fan of the NBA, you probably don't know. He is a guard for the Oklahoma City Thunder. He's an Australian cat, 6'8". He was selected six in the draft a few years ago. Solid player. What they got going on in OKC with Chuck Holmgren and Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Williams and all those guys. Yeah, Sam Presti has done a terrific job forming that team, and they should be a force to be reckoned with for years to come. But Josh Giddy got into a little bit of hot water over the um, Thanksgiving break because there was a weird social media post where somebody has accused Josh Giddy of being with an underage girl. Now... Again, alleged, you know, speculation. There's no proof yet. The NBA are looking into it. And I'm just throwing this out there because this is what's been going on. Josh Giddy's not really commenting on it. And apparently, for what I've taken from this, Chip, the dude was with this girl. She might have been underage. He didn't know so he's 21, he's young. He didn't know when he found out, he cut it off, told the Thunder. So the Thunder, this isn't news to them. They just, they looked into it and everything's been fine. That's why they cleared them. Now the NBA is just now finding out and looking into it. But yeah, he might've gotten got. Like, I don't, you know, I don't think Josh Giddy, which we don't know yet, but it doesn't seem like he's a pedophile in any way. It just seems like he's a gullible one. And there's photos. He has his arm around the girl and he's talking, you know, he's making these FaceTime videos to the girl's brother and stuff. It's really weird. And she looks like a college girl. I'm not going to lie. When I saw the pictures, I'm like, it's a college girl. Like, I, if she went 
she said she was 19 and lied about it. Josh Giddy, just a gullible dude. So the reason why it seems like it's going to go that side is because Andrew Bogut, fellow Australian, former NBA champ for the Golden State Warriors, former number one pick, you know, for the Bucks, He went out and said, what I'm just throwing at you, that the Thunder knew about this, that Giddy seemed like, you know, he found out that she might have been a little young and he cut it off immediately and then let the Thunder know, hey, this happened. So it's just now coming out with the NBA. They're looking into it. Giddy's still playing games. The Thunder, they're still winning and stuff. But yeah, man, like Josh Giddy, he went through it these last few days and he might still be going through it from some ignorant folks via Twitter. But yeah, very messy, man. Very well, he met her in a club where you're supposed to be 21 to be in the club. Got his ass. And she may have had a fake ID to get in there. Mm. And he does not look sober in some of these photos yeah. where he's shirtless and has his arm around her. Um, but yeah, man, I mean... Good for him for being upfront about it because you don't want to throw it all away over one O face, you know? Real. And yo, if you go back and look at Australia's laws, 16's okay for those A mates, you know? So I was originally thinking maybe he just wasn't put on game when he got to America. <laughs> Man, like, because why would anybody tell him? We just know, Chip. We've been in America our whole lives. We just know that age is wrong. But if you're from Australia and you know those rules over there are different, I gotta give him the benefit of the doubt, but it's still dirty. It's just Australia, get it together. I don't know. But either way, I don't want anything happening to Josh Giddy. You know, I hope everything's good with him because I like him as a player. Like, he reminds me of a 6'8 Andre Miller. You know, not the best shooter, but a solid ball handler, point guard at that size. Like, he's a mismatch nightmare, and he's an underrated defender. So I want the Thunder to have success. I like watching them play. They're a fun young team, and they make me feel good about paying so much for NBA League Pass. But... Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> she got his ass. And again, the girl looks like a college gal, you know, like 21. She could pass as 21. Like, come on now. You're talking to a brother here. Like, black don't crack. Like, I've seen plenty. Nia Long, Nia Long look like she's 35 right now. That woman, 50. You going to tell M.A. Udoka what's up? Come on now. So, yeah, he just... Gotta check that ID, Josh. Like, so how old are you? Like, I'm I'm in the NBA. Like, what? Like, who are you? Like, we, we gotta get some more information, you know? But he'll learn. And plus, yeah. there ain't shit to do in Oklahoma anyway. So you, you know, being with women, you gotta get it any chance to get in a way. Like, you gotta get out there. Is she you know? is she causing a stir? No, she's been quiet. 
She hasn't really done anything, to be so, honest. It's like some. It's like somebody found out and put it out. So I'm sure she's talked to people. Like nobody's gonna keep it quiet. I'm sure she's, you know, let her friends know. Like, hey, we're in high school, but me and Josh Giddy were an item. And you sure? I'm sure. Don't tell nobody. When she said that, somebody told somebody. Then that person told somebody, and it was just like telephone. Do we know how old she is? Hands. I've seen 15. That can't be true. <laughs> that can't be right. I've seen 16. Uh, but under 18. Under 18, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So All right. I don't know if he went full Carmelone, but, you know, I don't know. Wow. Well, yeah. that's my man, Perse Hilton. I know he's going to keep us on top of all the juiciest gossip. See, somebody on the Coda text line says she's been bragging about it all over socials. I got to see that. I haven't seen that. CB, find those receipts. I need something because I haven't seen all that. If she's talking, if she's bragging about it, then yikes. And they also said Adrian Cassett is only 16 in Oklahoma. Not surprised. I'm not surprised there. I'm not surprised. I'm I'm actually surprised that it ain't younger, to be honest. Those Oklahoma folk. You know. Man. Yeah. All right. So I see there's uh there's some thought that maybe Lincoln Riley would go to the NFL. Remember, leave he turned, now, huh? Leave now, Lincoln. He had start playing those Ohio State and Michigans almost every year because you're gonna play one each year, one or the other. Do you want them problems? I don't know. I mean, Lincoln Riley. Basically turned down the Cowboys job when they hired Mike McCarthy. So this would be quite the quite the change of heart from uh, the mule shoe magician. Yeah, not everybody's Jimmy Johnson, man. Not everybody could teach young men and deal with the recruiting and all that, and then jump. To professional football, which I guess we could say is professional in college with NIL, but that's a different story. But jump up to the league and then deal with grown ass men and families. Like Jimmy did it to the T. That's the best to ever do it, to go from college to the NFL. Like he got it. But the Nick Sabins of the world and latest Matt Rules of the world, those guys, it could be a struggle. You know, and Lincoln Riley, even if he is thinking about it, I know he's going through all those pros and cons on what makes sense for him because that control that you have at the college level, shit, you ain't got that when you get to the pros. It's just not happening from owners and the front office and all that stuff. Like, you hope that you could get the, you know, as much confidence or you know as much leeway as possible as a coach to where you can do what you want to do i know bill parcells tried it when he was with jerry and jerry was like nah yeah pete carroll thank you somebody on the code of text line pete carroll another one that got it 
that understood. Jumping. Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. Well, yeah. You went from Stanford. <laughs> you went to a Super Bowl. Yeah, he went, he went, yeah, he went. You count him. He's he's done it better than most. Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He's done it better than most. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be careful, Lincoln. I'd be careful, which it's interesting, all those guys leaving Southern Cal, because I know the traffic's bad and the gas is, you know, $8 a gallon. But other than that, choose. Be a college kid? Go to SC? Sounds like a good gig to me. Well, the thing about Lincoln is that he's shown a blind spot for how to pick his defensive coordinator. And in the NFL, the GM picks the defensive coordinator. So if you, you know, his buddy, Cliff Kingsbury, went to Arizona, had it going for a minute. Now, Cliff pushed hard for Kyler Murray, and then Kyler Murray ended up getting him fired. So you got to make sure that you <laughs> hit your wagon to uh, to a proven product. Jimmy Johnson tried to bring Steve Walsh with him from Miami. He was getting a little impatient with Troy. And then Troy said, excuse me while I whip this out. Yeah, man. But Lincoln, you know, this will be interesting because you've got to have the quarterback. So if you go to the NFL, look at look at why and all the, you know, and I get, I mean, the Carolina Panthers like oh uh, Frank Reich, and that was cold. Like oh, that was cold. Let oh, him develop. Come, yeah, right. What are we Bryce doing? Young. I mean, right. they don't have they don't have a. They don't have a pro bowler at anywhere on that offense, do they? No, not at all. Which, mm. if, I, if what I'm hearing with that whole situation, Frank Wright and Josh McCown, they wanted C.J. Stroud. And whatever's going on, obviously that's not looking good. But if they've made comments or who knows, you know, who knows? If they, yeah, if they got over, if they got overruled, if, yeah, they got overruled. And so they were right, and, yeah, and they're out here not putting Bryce Young in the right situations to be successful in the owner's eyes. Then, whatever. But I'm with you. That's that's like when Mac Brown said, "If I don't take Tyrone Swoops, I'm going to get run out of town." And Major Applewhite and Brian Harson were like. We'd rather have JT Barrett. And Mac is like, no, I got to take Tyrone Swoops because everybody thinks he's the next Vince Young. And Harson and Applewhite were like, what? They yeah, just open. because he's black and plays quarterback doesn't make him the next Vince Young, Mac. <laughs> Holy shit. Man. man. <laughs> JT Barrett no would have crawled on glass to get to Texas from – Wichita Falls. Wow. So that I was know that. I yeah, that was that's when I knew Mac had just he was totally detached. Yeah. He was he was he was basically spending his free time on team sites and not going out and doing the homework himself and 
Yeah. So you got to have the quarterback, period, no matter what. So if Lincoln is seriously thinking about going to the NFL, you better go somewhere where, I mean, what, Chicago? Where Caleb Williams probably going to be the first pick in the draft? I don't know. But you got to work for the McCaskey family, and that's the problem. I mean, they're just – they're the prime example of what's wrong with some of these ownership families. I mean, Dave Tepper in Carolina, he's on his, what, third coach? Fourth coach? Yeah. And that's the thing, like him getting that little taste of going to the Super Bowl with Cam. Greedy now. He, he, he thinks that's always going to happen. Like he now he feels entitled and he's like, okay, I know what it takes, you know, and you can't have that mindset. Like each team every year is going to be a different ball club, you know, like literally when you have a very good team, most likely you win your division. So the next season you're going to play a first place schedule. What are we seeing with the Buffalo Bills right now? Like, the Buffalo Bills are struggling their ass off because they have one of the toughest schedules in the National Football League. It happens every year. A team that gets to the playoffs, the next year they struggle because second place plays second place schedule. First place plays first place schedule in division. Like, that's just how it is. So there's more parity. Different teams get a chance to, you know, make some noise and do different things. I love the way the NFL does it. Like, that's why it's so interesting. But... Yeah, if you're not able to accept that it's a process, and if you don't have patience, shit. You, that's what we're seeing in Carolina, man. And that's sad for Bryce Young because he might have, even though he doesn't look comfortable, it might have been to where he was getting comfortable. Who knows what it could be in year two with the right wide receiver, Marvin Harrison Jr. If you get him... People have been comparing that dude to Randy Moss. You know what I'm saying? Like, that could completely change your franchise. Like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase coming in basically at the same time. Like, look what that did to the Bengals. You know, like. Like my man Rasheed Rice from SMU and the Kansas City Chiefs. Portland Sutton with the Broncos. Okay, Yo, Rasheed Rice is my guy, man. He's giving me some buku points in fantasy, which is why I got a bye week going into the playoffs because of guys like him, sleepers, picking up on waiver wire like week three. Yeah, he's been tough. I like him a lot. He might be Patrick Mahomes' number one guy, to be honest. I mean, he has been the last couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's Travis Kelsey, but I mean number one wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah there is Tony. He be bullshitting. You know, Sky Moore, he aight. You know, but. Yeah, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is making a resurgence. He's been getting some uh, some reps. Yeah, you know, Isaiah Pacheco took a lot of his snaps, man, and I thought they were going to release Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but, I mean, dude, he's a little small, but he can play. He ain't no punk, you know? Yeah, man. How about Chad Henney? Chad Henney. They interviewed him at the Michigan-Ohio State game last week. He's like, you know, there are days I would turn in all of my Super Bowl rings for 
for one more chance to play in this game. And I'm like, all, all two of your Super Bowl rings that you won, thanks to Patrick Mahomes, baby. Yeah, he ain't play. Of course he feels that way because he actually got to play in Michigan, Ohio State. He remembers those glory days. You know, being on that sideline, the Super Bowl, that's cool and all, but when you tell your kids, when you pop that film on, all you're going to see is pops on the sideline, drinking Gatorade, looking at Patrick, saying, hey, this is what I'm seeing. (laughs) You ain't going out there making no passes. Shane Bouchelle is QB3. Is he really? Wow, good for Shane, man. I'm glad that he has a career in the NFL. They got to be getting close to cutting Chad Henney so that Shane can be QB2. That's an interesting battle for backup there. I don't know. Let's bring in the fellas. (laughs) Let's bring in the fellas. What up, fellas? What up, guys? How are y'all? Oh, man. We are... We are deep in the tailgate for the Big 12 dude. title game. Chad Henney talk? Man, you guys are getting deep. <laughs> right. Whoa. Well, we were talking about how Lincoln Riley better, if he's going to the NFL, he better have the quarterback. He better have, you know, you got to have the quarterback. So yep. if he's going to Chicago, you know about those Bears and the McCaskey family, KD. That's a... That's a double-edged sword. Yeah, you might be getting Caleb Williams number one in the draft, but you're working for the McCaskey family. They're going to yeah. cut every corner everywhere else. They're so like AM in terms of not winning most of my life, except they won one in 85, and they're opposite. They cut corners where AM spins and probably didn't spin wisely. But um, but you're exactly right, Chip. I mean, so uh, are you hearing that? Because you're as connected as anyone. Trey, what the hell are you? Are you flashing <laughs> I thought he was going to flash us. <laughs> His screen was dirty. <laughs> okay. Um, no, but you know about any – I mean, are you hearing Lincoln to the NFL? Because well, that would make sense to jump right now. His name is surfacing kind of like Harbaugh's as potential guys from college who could make the jump to the NFL. Got it. And, you know, Lincoln kind of – I mean, he turned down the Cowboys job when McCarthy got it. So that – you know, he, I don't know. Maybe it's that bad at USC. We'll see. Crazy. Good job, guys. Appreciate you. All right. Appreciate Have a good one, Ellis.